Welcome to Funding the Dream, the number one podcast for the number one crowdfunding platform, Kickstarter. Now here's your host, Richard Bliss. Our guest today is here to, um, he's a longtime fan of the show, and we're thrilled to have him on the show. I want to welcome Eric Caps to the show. Eric, thanks for being here. No problem. As you said, I'm a big longtime fan, so I'm excited to be here. We are going to talk today about rule books. This is a board game centric podcast. We're going to talk about board games, but we're going to specifically talk about the rule books of board games, something that oftentimes is overlooked by those who are designing board games. Would you say that's true? Incredibly true. I mean, people so far like can go so far as to put a game out and not even have the rules for it down to the point where you can even play it. You know, I had a couple of those. Well-meaning people have created a game, sent it to me, and I can't get past the fact that I don't understand how to play. Eric, you've been doing this now for a little while. You have a website. It's called, so we can just tell people right here at the beginning, they can find it at rulebookreview.weebly, that's spelled W-E-E-B-L-Y.com, or they can find you on Twitter at rulebookreview, right? Yes, that's correct. So the idea here is is that you have this service that provides review of their rule book. Tell me a little bit, how did you get started with that? Well, I got started, there was a print-and-play contest going on on Board Game Geek. I saw a game on there I really liked called Kate Gonza, and all I did was just write down some suggestive feedback, because that's what you usually do for the contest. And then someone else in the contest saw that and said, hey, will you do mine? Someone else just saw it and said, hey, will you do mine? And I started getting so many messages in my inbox, I realized, I wonder if there's anyone really just focusing on rule books. I made a big, another big thread on Board Game Geek, and I had said, hey, if I just wrote a blog and just reviewed rule books and did that whole thing, would people be interested in such a niche thing? And, and it got such a good response, I just started. And lo and behold, right now, you've got a fairly good traffic, right? You said one a day. Is that what you're getting? I get at least one rule book to edit a day right now. At least one. <laughs> Sometimes more. So let's talk about that because you have some experience in your background around writing and editing. And so you've developed five basic principles that when you look through a rule book, these are five things that you're looking for. So let's go through this. Let's identify what these are. What's number one? All right. Number one is the organization and layout. I mean, it's really simple. People have to know how to find what they're looking for. And it's so easy to mess that up and it's done always in the silliest ways too for example sometimes people put the setup in the game in the middle of the rules i've actually seen this happen in rule books that have been published they start explaining how the game is played and then they tell you how to set it up (laughs) it sounds so silly like why would anyone do that but for some reason these things happen you know for me i always want to know basically I have to admit, I get a rule book and it tells me how to set up and everything and how to start playing and and it explains all the cards and everything. And what I really want to know is, no, wait a minute, how does the game end? And when it ends, how do you determine the winner? If I know that up front, then as you're explaining all the components and everything, then it all makes sense because now I understand the goal that it's headed for. Am I right to think about it that way or am I slightly off here? I think you're absolutely correct. I've written an entire article about how giving people the premise for the game, you know, why you're playing in the theme a little bit, but then letting them know how it ends and wins is one of the best things to put first. And since you know the end is what happens last, people always want to put it at the very end of the rule book. 
It's I mean, right. You can go over it again later, but people need to know what they're doing to start or they're not going to understand everything in the middle. Yeah, and it's interesting how people think in that linear format. Well, they explain the game almost the way they play the game, and it almost has to be the opposite of that, right? Yeah. I mean, a lot of people forget how to set up. I mean, that's more than anything how to set up. And then people kind of jump around from one place to another in the rules. It's really good to split your rule book up into small phases of how each section works and just go one at a time, up and down, really easy. You can always put like little bars on the side for examples with pictures and stuff. But like it's crazy how people will jump from, well, you draw the cards. But except on this special turn, on this turn, you're going to have to draw the cards this way. When Right when you're just learning a game, it's just it's not a good way to present it or go in order. Okay, so that's like, or- the complicated... Yeah, the complicated usually needs to come towards the end a little bit instead of being, like, thrown at someone immediately. Got it. So organization and layout, keep it simple, explain what the theme is, what the purpose is, and then explain setup, and then ease them into the more complexity. Okay. Exactly. And, of course, the layout is pretty obvious. I mean, make it so your stuff is readable. Don't put pictures on the left when people are reading from left to right, things like that. Explain that. What What do you mean don't put pictures on the left? Well, when people are looking at a rule book, I have seen a few rule books do this where they put their pictures, for examples, on the left. Most people who are reading this are reading left to right. Their eyes will be drawn to the picture, which is kind of a good thing because pictures can teach you a little better than words. But sometimes it really makes people miss what they actually need to read. Like you want the thing that you want them to see the most where their eyes are going to be first. Got it. Interesting. All right. Anybody, any examples of who's done it really well? Oh, that's really a tough one. Well, actually, I recently did a rule book review for the game um, I Hate Zombies, like Board Game Geek's first big game on Kickstarter. Right. They did a pretty good job with the pictures, like, and how they laid it out. I mean, they put a nice little color around it to show it's an example, you know. This is something special. Here's the main rules, and here is something special for you to look at after you understand the basics. I mean, I really liked how they did it, especially. And it's really hard to do. I know some rule books don't even have pictures. It's so hard to do just writing. Like, oh, man. Pictures make a huge difference. Let's move on, because I'm sure we're going to come to that one. Number two, what's your second point? My number two is clarity. This one's really, really simple. You want your rules to be clear and concise. Now, I got to admit... Most people who are writing them probably think they're clear and concise. That's why they wrote them. Exactly. I mean, I edit rule books. I still make typos when I post in a blog post occasionally. Sometimes you just can't see things when you've written them yourself and you need someone to take a second look. What's your definition? Some- okay, go ahead. Sorry. Go ahead. Oh, well, I mean, I, I have literally did have a person who came in and gave me rules, and I just looked at him and I said, what are you trying to tell me? I felt real. I didn't want to be mean to him, but it was just true that to him it all made sense. And when we sat down and talked, he completely explained it, and I got it. But, you know, from just reading it, it meant nothing. It's not always easy to write in a clear way so that even the newest player to a board game can understand it. Got it. And that's something, so having another pair of eyes on it to help it be clear, you think you're writing clear, but sometimes you're too close to it as the designer. So having a second pair of eyes on that helps increase that clarity. Exactly. And especially, I mean, you have to think about your game, a very complex war game. I'm I'm going to understand if the rules are a little more difficult to digest, but in general, you want to think about the youngest player you're going to have playing your game and make sure that they could understand it. 
Got or it. anyone who's never played a board game before, make sure they can understand it. So number one is organization layout. Number two is clarity. What do we have for number three? Well, we're back to the pictures, graphics. That whole saying, a picture is worth a thousand words, is actually based on real science. It really is. A picture is going to dig into the human psyche and help them remember how to play a game a lot more than any text alone. If you add text and a picture combined, it increases it even more. If you happen to have a how-to-play video and players get to watch it, they get to have audio, and that makes it go up even higher. And one of the ways now that technology allows us to do that is the embedding of QR codes inside of a rule book so that I can just take my smartphone, point it at my QR code, and boom, up comes a video that explains that particular component. Exactly. Do you, and it's you like so that idea? Easy. I do. Not everyone has a smartphone. So, I mean, including a link isn't a bad idea. There, you can find space in your rule book to do it. At the beginning is the best place to put it. Because if someone's going to want to watch a video, they're not going to want to read through the whole rule book to learn that there was a video they could have watched at the end. I like the idea of actually adding QR codes along the way so that if you have a particular rule, okay, here's the QR code that explains that rule. Or here's that one, that, you know, a series of videos rather than one big long video to try to explain everything. And that's not a bad idea either. I mean, QR codes are so easy to make. I can go and make one right now in a couple minutes. Right. I mean, and they're so easy to put into a rule book. They're not very hard to format. They're simple little squares. It's something I'd love to see more people doing. I mean, not everyone has a smartphone, but for those who have it, it is an excellent resource. And when it comes to graphics, how much investment does somebody need to make on the graphics inside the rule book? We often talk on Kickstarter about the need for graphics in the box, the need for graphics on the components or the board. But what about graphics inside the rule book? How critical is that? Well, you can always recycle some of the art if you want your rulebook to look pretty. But it's a lot more than just looking pretty. I mean, a solid picture to explain how to do something can save you entire paragraphs of text that, you know, will get someone playing your game that much faster and start having fun that much faster. And everything from as simple to, you know, highlighting, like, example text in a light blue or something can go a long way to teaching someone a rules. And let's be clear, we're talking about graphic design, not necessarily just art, right? Exactly. And what's your definition of the difference between those two? Well, I guess in my particular case, art is something that is just strictly there for making it look better, you know, to make it look pretty. Right. Graphic design is something that's used to help teach people or to draw their eyes to like a specific example in your rule book. I mean, the best thing I can say is, you know, some of the rule books I look at, even if it's just a light background over an example text, so you know, every time they see that, they go, all the stuff in gray is the example. So if, if I understood the rule, I don't need to read that. If I don't, this is my example. It's those little things that make learning the rules that much quicker. Okay, so we got organizational layout, clarity, graphics. What's our number four point? Depth. This is probably the most difficult one, in all honesty. So depth is just making sure everything is covered in your rule book that needs to be covered. Doesn't this, this is where we get into trouble because now this is fighting with clarity, right? Yes. This is this, fighting with organization layout because as we get more deeper and deeper, trying to keep it clear, trying to keep it organized, all of those things start to kind of fight each other. Exactly. This is the most difficult one for people. I mean, it's the difference between having extra, like two whole extra pages on your rule book versus being able to get rid of them. And it's so hard to explain. But a lot of the time, some games, like if I'm going to play Android Netrunner, 
this is a really complicated game. Knowing how certain cards interact would be nice. They have an online frequently asked questions and card interactions thing, which isn't bad. But there's some games that are smaller than that, you know, that still have a little bit of complexities that they aren't explained at all. I don't even see a link to a frequently asked questions and I'm doomed. And then on the other end, I have games that are incredibly simple, but they feel they need to go over every possible interaction when honestly, the cards or the components themselves explain the rules just fine. I mean, there's nothing that's going to cause a huge conundrum in the middle. You know, a good example of that would be Dominion. Dominion, a game with hundreds of different cards in that game, yet the rule book is made up of four pages. Exactly, and they have a small explanation on each card, and they mention if there's anything that's particularly weird. There's a couple things here and there that are, but generally the cards do a pretty good job. I mean, if you know the basics of the game, it works. Dominion's probably a good example of covering depth in a healthy way. Maybe minus the promos, but I mean, I understand that you can't add that into the rulebook years later when you make a brand new promo card. And even then, they've actually updated some of them too, so that's pretty cool. It is, and that's another example where they actually have two sets of instructions, right? They have the rules, and then they have the glossary that explains each card, because there are times that you look at this card and you're like, okay, I think I understand it, but let me just be clear. And you can go back and just look up the card, right, in your little glossary without having to worry about digging through the rules to find each card and where it's at. Yes, exactly. If people are really worried that some of the stuff in their game is too complex, A glossary is not a bad idea. Some people like to think it's old-fashioned, but you know what? If it helps people learn the rules, it's a good thing. Dominion's got one. Settlers of Catan has one where it's got a separate glossary. Exactly, and those games are doing very well. Yeah, they seem to be doing very well. And I've seen other games, war games included, where there's the rules, and then there's just whether it's a strategy guide or whether it's just it's more there. And I think that leads us into our last point, right? And that is, what's number five? That one is the writing. And you would think that the writing would have probably been number one, but really it comes right down to it. After you've done all the rules and everything, you've got to make sure the writing is there. And what's your idea then when you say writing? Well, in most cases, I mean, there's the obvious. Please avoid having any terrible grammar errors and please avoid typos. I mean, everyone knows that those are the things that, you know, an editor is going to pick up first. And I literally had someone have a grammar error that could have broken their game when I came to edit their rule book. I mean, any rules lawyer could have destroyed it. Don't underestimate a typo or a grammar error for your rules. But on top of that, you want to try to present things in... The best way I've ever been able to put it is a very professional flair. You want it to look professional as you can. I mean, I've seen some, you know, it's not saying you can't have humor and you can't have good jokes because some rule books are known for being incredibly funny while teaching the rules and humor is a great way to help people remember. But... Yeah, it's you know what? It's pretty tired. It's pretty I've done enough where it's tiresome. You're just like, it, "Please, I just want to play the game. I don't want to, you know." See, and and that's true. There there is a level where you got to keep it professional enough if you want to have something funny here and there. I mean, that's one thing. But I have also gone through rule books where the entire thing is one giant joke and at the end I don't even know how to play. You know, I've got a game that I really enjoy playing, but I struggled with the rule book for that very nature and it was Space Alert. Great game, very innovative, real-time collaborative real-time, right? Very unique game. But the rules are actually all done in first person that makes it very hard to... Somebody's talking to you all the time and telling you this narrative and this story. And I appreciate that it sucks me in there, but 
when I'm trying to learn the game, I've struggled to learn that game, partly because just uh, reading those rules has been very distracting. That is one of the number one games I have heard that complaint from. So you're not the only one. Really? Here I thought I, yes. was, the, I was the only one. <laughs> I have heard that one quite a few times. And what I have said to people who want to have in jokes or flavor is you have to remember that your rule book is primarily for teaching someone how to play. Information. Yes, you need to get the information across. If you're doing that well and you can add a little bit of a creative flair to it, that's fine. But if you're not doing that like perfectly, you don't have room to do that. And it's so hard to find a balance. So for most people, I honestly recommend just keep your rules serious. I mean, the little beginning text on here's what you're going to do in the game is a great place to have flavor. Enjoy yourself in that first little paragraph and then make sure people can understand your rules. So let's just recap. We've got five points here that you've I've given us. We've been talking to Eric Caps, who has Rulebook Review on Twitter, rulebookreview.weebly.com. And your five points are organization and layout, which is one point, clarity, mm-hmm. graphics, depth, and writing. Those are your five points that you review whenever you review a rule book. If somebody wanted to have you review their rule book, what would they do, Eric? You can come onto rulebookreview.weebly.com. I have a nice little tab that says our services. You can get a rule book edit and you can get a public review. It's super simple. Pretty much it's just getting me a link to the rules so I can look at them for editing. And if you want a public review, I only require a print and play copy of the game to make sure that I can play it and make sure the rules are 100% positive. It's really easy, and I generally can get them done pretty quick. Eric, thank you so much. We certainly appreciate the contribution you're making to the board game community. All right, no problem. Thank you for having me. You've been listening to Funding the Dream. My guest I want to thank is Eric Caps at rulebookreview.weebly.com. Thanks, Eric. Thank you. Our intro and exit music is Orientation by Bureaucratic. You can listen to more of their music at soundcloud.com slash bureaucratic. Today's show is produced by Come Alive Creative. We want to thank their work, and you can find them at comealivecreative.com. Thanks for listening. Take care. Take care.